Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Chatty Cathy. In this episode, I was so graciously blessed to be joined by my youth group leaders, Liz and Brian Miller, back home in St. Louis. They were able to share their experiences as young adults coming out of the college ministry and entering parish life, as well as ways that right now we can steward toward each other and our relationship with Christ and one another that can create lasting friendships throughout. Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Chatty Kathy, the Catholic talk show. Uh, I am with um, two very good friends, two very good people who poured into me when it was very necessary in my young adult life in high school. Uh, I'm with Brian and Liz Miller, who were in charge of my youth group um, back at St. Justin the Martyr here in St. Louis. Um, if you hear, it's definitely a little bit of a more crisp episode. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Brian is letting me use his uh, professional set at the moment, and he is going to actually be doing the editing for this episode, sound quality-wise. So thank you, Brian, for that. That's Oh, sweet. no, this is so fun. It's good to have you here, Javi, yeah. you know? No, I'm, I was really excited. I, you were one of the first people that I was, like, writing down in my notes about people that I needed to interview when I started. I think I... I don't know if I started... I don't remember when I started. I don't know if I started doing this podcast second semester or my first semester of sophomore year. But either way, uh, it was very early on. It was like you guys I wanted to get on and were part of my list of initial people. You know, when, mm -hmm. when we heard you were doing a podcast, we thought, well, Javi does love to talk. So, I mean, <laughs> just <laughs> it, based on the old youth group experience, well, you, know, <laughs> you can carry a conversation sometimes <laughs> even with just yourself, you know? I would talk to the... Uh, my mother sometimes... I'll be saying something even in my own house, and my mother will ask me, she's like, how, who, are you, who are you talking to? And I'm like, no one. I'm not talking <laughs> to anybody. I'm just, I'm just thinking out you loud. Know. You know. Exactly. It's no, good. I do it. It's a little odd, but it works. Yeah. It's great. It's what makes you you, Javi. Yeah. And we love you for it. I appreciate that. No. Well, I remember, I think one of my favorite things that I have been um, recently really praying with and praying about, uh, which I, I believe it's attested to St. Francis of Assisi. I could be totally wrong, though. And if I'm wrong, please correct me. But it was the, you know, the whole thing where it's like you preach the gospel and you sometimes use words, you know, so it's like preaching the gospel through the way that I live my life. And then every now and again, when it's necessary, I can open my mouth and talk. Um, so understanding that I need to maybe take a little bit of a step back and kind of using this as a platform to where, yes, I'm, I'm, you know, maybe, you know, hosting it and like, you know, engaging in conversation, but it's more so about the people that I have on it and their stories and their talking. Sure. Um, and it's a little less about, you know, my voice per se. But yeah. Well, you're right. It is often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Francis of Assisi didn't say it, and then my wife's like kicking me under the table because she knew I was going to have to go I, there. This is like his favorite thing to no, dispute well, with people. Never, <laughs> it didn't show up in the writings of St. Francis until like 400 years after he died. Right. So uh, I think something uh, I've heard he did say was, it's no use walking anywhere to preach unless your walking is also preaching. Mm. And I think the sentiment is absolutely right, right? If we don't live yeah. our faith and we talk about it, it's a scandal. There's no point in talking about it if you're not going to live it as well. Pope Paul VI says, um, modern man listens more willingly to witnesses than he does to teachers. And if he listens to teachers, it's because they are also witnesses. So it's just this, this real marriage of faith and life that without those two things going hand in hand, 
um, it's, it's not enough. And I think sometimes it gets overcorrected the other way too. Like I'm only going to give a witness and never talk. Mm-hmm. That's actually a scandal too. Like we actually have to preach the faith and share the faith that way too. So yeah, it's good to be comfortable it to with both. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, but anyway, uh, a little introductions, if you so please, to maybe get a little in contact with the people who listen. Father Bibbon is probably listening. Hi, um, Father. So, yeah, he's fantastic. He'll <laughs> laugh at anything and everything. So if you have a joke, say it. He'll laugh at it. Um, <laughs> but ladies first. You can go, Liz. Um, so introductions. My name is Liz Miller. I have been uh, married to my husband, Brian, for almost 15 years. Woo! Woo. Let's go. It's been a good <laughs> It's been a good 15 years. I uh, hope for many, many more. Um, we are both working in ministry. I w- am the freshman theology teacher at Vianney High School, so I teach all boys, which That's is lit. super lit, let me tell you. <laughs> um, Comes home with stories every day <laughs> of how exciting it is. It is very exciting. The most exciting thing, of course, is that I get to share faith with um, my students, and that's um, what it's all about. And so giving them a safe space to question, giving them a safe space to explore and challenge them in their faith has really been a beautiful thing. So that's what I do as my my full-time job, job. But my primary vocation also involves four kids, um, Rose, Gus, Zeke, and little Stanley. Stanimal, sometimes we call that's right. him. That's right. He's wild. He's, he's Stanimal. He's, he's, he's going to fit right <laughs> in at Vianney sometime. Yeah, he right. is wild. And so anyway, we have um, we have a lot of fun with our kids as well. All of them are at the same school, St. Justin Martyr, where we met Javi. And so we're super involved in our parish um, and run the youth group there as well together. So... That's me. And I was going to make alligator for dinner, but all I have is a crock pot. That's good. I stole that joke from my son, Zeke, and who stole it from my dad, from grandpa. That's a total dad joke. Yeah. Well, hey, well, your, your dad has the best <laughs> Halloween is soon. And in St. Louis, we have, for those right. of you who don't know, who are not from St. Louis, <laughs> it is tradition to not just say trick or treat, but you must give me a joke before I give you candy during Halloween. Yeah, and yeah. when you go to college outside of St. Louis, you realize that that's not normal. I know. Like, you always <laughs> think it's just how it is. I thought that's how it was. And everybody down in Springfield was like, what are you talking about? What is wrong about? with you? I'm right. like, they're yeah. like, that sounds like so like manipulative and mean to the kids. And I'm like, uh, my- They had to work for it. Right? That's what I said. <laughs> I said, it's like, you got to put in a little bit of effort if you want to get free candy, okay? That's right. Come on. Anyway. I love it. You're up, Brian. Yeah, Brian Miller, uh, married to my lovely wife here, you know, Liz. For how many years, man? Uh, roughly 15. There you not go. Not quite 15, yeah. yeah. Just making so, sure you know, too. <laughs> I do, yeah. December 27th, 2008 is when we got married. If you want to send us a gift, uh, ask <laughs> Javi for our address. We would appreciate it. I could do that. Um yeah, so I work here at the Archdiocese of St. Louis, where we're, uh, you know, leasing this lovely studio space for you today. You know, yeah, thank uh, you. Checks in the mail, right? You know. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> it'll come. I'm sure it'll come. Um, and uh, currently, I'm the director of evangelization and discipleship. So, all kinds of fun projects related to that, helping people just meet Jesus, uh, but also helping people. Uh, learn how to introduce Jesus to others as well. So mm-hmm. hence my excitement about the uh, fake St. Francis of Assisi quote. Right. Because I think, you know, we just have to get better at talking about Jesus. Just, yeah. We're just not very good at it sometimes as Catholics. So like uh, we want to let our actions do the talking and we should in a lot of ways. But uh, the world is crying out for meaning and the world is crying out for a relationship with Christ. And uh, we have to be bold, I think, in making that invitation to people to let them know that there's a God out there who loves them, who forgives them, who's a God of mercy, 
and a God who has a plan for their life. I think if there's one thing uh, I tell the youth group kids every week right now, and I, I said it on Wednesday, Hobby yes, came and gave a great little talk <laughs> on Wednesday night. And I said, all right, what's our scripture verse? And they said, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? And I know like, they were right. so like Jeremiah 29, like, I, <laughs> I know where you're going, Brian. you know, just re- <laughs> repetition, but like God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your welfare, not for your woe, mm-hmm. for a future full of hope. And in a world of mixed messages, in a world of just kind of chaos or even sometimes selfishness, people turning inwards on themselves, it's a message I don't think that our young people in particular can hear enough. God loves you and has a plan for you, and it's better than your wildest dreams. Yeah. I remember uh, when it was my senior parting gift from the youth group, uh, you guys had gifted me a cross that had that exact um, first does it really? It does. Funny. I still See, it's have been it. Our theme for a while. It is, it, has. it is in my dorm room right now um, with my palms from um, Palm Sunday. Nice. So um, I always look at that and I appreciated that because you guys were a big help for me, youth group wise, when I was still figuring things out as a little six, very little sixteen-year-old boy. Uh, if anybody knew me back in the day, I was not maybe four feet tall at that point. When you were um, 16, you were 14. Uh, maybe. I don't know. When you were in sixth grade and I it's met a, you. It's a picture yeah. we pulled up of, of our yes. yeah, junior high uh, Christmas uh. party where I'm Buddy the Elf and you're three foot five, I think. Pretty much. Know? Yeah. No, it's crazy. But no, the youth, uh, you guys' youth group pouring into me was very big. Um, and one of the very big reasons of why I went, wanted you guys here today to talk about um, those transitions from um, the busy life schedule. Um, but still being able to pour into um, youth, obviously your own children, but also Mm -hmm. youth who aren't even your own biological children that you still spend time with every single week, whether it's both of you, one of you, um, and pouring into the community in that way. And I was, um, as a college student, there's a lot of other things that can busy our lives as well. Um, You know, maybe we are also working a part-time job as well as doing um, our studies and trying to get that major. But um, what are some ways that you were able to find that could help you balance the the family time, the um, your own individual faith time, but also pouring into the faith for others as well when life can distract you with so many other things. Yeah, sure. I feel like, you know, if God is calling you to something, he's going to provide the grace that you need to do it, right? And so when we moved into St. Justin Martyr Church about 11 years ago, I yeah, guess. Yeah, just about, yeah. Um, the pastor immediately asked us about ourselves and who we were and what we did. And he found out that we were both ministry folks, that we had a background in youth ministry. And immediately he was like ready to have us run the whole youth group. And I was like, bro, I don't even, I don't even, I just got got here. (laughs) Exactly. And so it took him a while to like, it took a little bit of convincing, um, on our part to say yes to that. Because again, like you were saying, you got to know what you're getting into and um, you have to feel called to it. And so finally, um, Brian was like, I really, I really think we need to do this. And I said, okay, fine. So we, we did. Um, And I think it's been a blessing for my family. When you make time for something outside, like you're, you're saying, oh, you're like spending time with other people's kids. Well, yeah, I am because you are going to mentor my kids. And it's maybe, mm-hmm. it's not selfish to spend time with you. We were pouring ourselves into you because we love you yes. first. And ultimately both of us care very deeply about sharing, like Ryan was saying, that hope that Christ can give with our young people. But it fed my, it fed our family too. Our kids have mentors and their friends watch you all as well. So it kind of is like this cycle. We pour into you because we want you to pour into the next generation. Mm -hmm. And so, um, if nobody takes the time to do that, 
then it's not going to happen. And someone did it for us. And someone I mean, did we it were for us. Youth exactly. Group kids in high school too. That's where we met for the first time. We didn't quite, it wasn't quite love at first sight. You know, <laughs> um, Liz had a lot of growing up to do. Brian, right. Brian, <laughs> Brian <laughs> was, um, we just in class yesterday talked about how, when, when God, when you make plans, God laughs and how Sarah laughed in the old Testament when she found out she was pregnant, right? Like with oh, Abraham yes. mm. and Sarah, that story, she laughs. And I said, guys, when I met my husband at youth group in high school, I was six feet tall. I'm a tall girl. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Brian, I was a junior in high school. Brian was a freshman in high school, five foot six wrestling in the 125 pound weight class. That's what I'm talking about. That was like so, a whole person ago. Like that, I ate that person. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And now Brian, is, is, is taller than me and everything else, but it took 10 years. And if God would have said to me in that moment, Hey, you're going to marry that junior girl. You're going to marry that little freshman boy over there. I've been like, "Ah!" I would have laughed like, and so anyway, God's full of surprises. So yes, people invested in us. And, and we just and ran into our old youth minister at Breadco right before we oh came here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is the truth. He is six foot, 10 inches tall. Actually, he's a very wow. tall man. Holy right. Cow. So anyway, yeah. that's beside the point. Well, but so, and it was funny. I'll embarrass Javi a little bit Go too, but Javi gave <laughs> a, a talk at youth group on Wednesday this week. And he's kind of gave his testimony of how, you know, the Lord has moved in your life and, and just really encouraging the kids to go deep and to take advantage of the opportunity and, and, uh, let God move in their hearts. You did a great job. And I, you know, I took a picture with you afterwards and I, yeah. and I posted the picture from the Christmas party when you were in sixth <laughs> grade. And I posted this picture now and, and just kind of talking about how, um, some ministry moments come full circle, right? How it's just really beautiful that you can invest and pour into people and then watch the Holy spirit work in their lives, watch them respond to grace. And now you're coming back and you're giving freely and you're feeding others with the gift of faith that you have too. And Greg, my old youth minister commented on that post and he said, imagine how some people feel when they look at you, they feel the same way. You know, it's just like, this is really like the gift of faith that we have as Catholics. The reason we're here today is because for 2000 years, this is how it's worked. We didn't always have the Catholic schools. We didn't always have the hospitals or the institutions. We had people who loved one another enough to lay down their life for them, to give them the faith, to pass on the faith. You know, St. Paul talks about in, in 1 Thessalonians 2, 8, one of my favorite verses, he says, being so affectionately desirous of you, we wanted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our very selves, so dearly beloved you would become to us. So not only sharing the gospel, but also sharing life. And I think that that's really when we start to do that, and we invest in others and pour into others. Like this is how the faith has grown and this is how the world has been evangelized. So if we want to keep the faith alive, we want people to know Jesus. We have to be in that relationship. We have to be willing to make sacrifices of our own time. And and it's good for our family. It doesn't mean there's not moments where it's a sacrifice for our family to, right. to be up there and to do it, but it's worth it because this is what we're called to do. Right. Yeah. I, I love that. The relationship with Christ is something that you continuously will have yourself, but that you can also help and steward to other people. Uh, and I, you know, very, very graciously gives itself to my my next question that I was going to be asking was about that transition from um, most of my listeners being, you know, in college ministry into a parish life um, to where right now as college students, we are very blessed to when we go to mass for the, for, you know, 11 AM, it's all of my other friends. It's all of my other college yeah. students who are right, right with me almost, you know, 
maybe not necessarily in the same place spiritually, but they're with me in the same place, at least physically and like age wise. Mm -hmm. Um, but then oftentimes, especially in college, since people come from so many different areas, we spread out kind of after that and you get into your parish life where it might be like you go to a mass and it's like, Oh yeah, I'm like 25 and there's maybe I bring the average age down by a whole 30 years, (laughs) depending, depending on, you know, where you go for, for your masses. And so, I'm wondering who who could have been that one person who were who maybe poured into you and helped you in that transition from you know college life to that young adult parish life and and what are some ways that maybe you individually were able to um, steward to yourselves in that way and and um, pour into something that you see was going to be something that you needed. Sure, I think that that is a real challenge for people that leave really thriving college campus ministry programs is that once they enter into the parish life, it's almost like you've had a four year retreat high, right? Like right. you've been with these people it's for so long. For you, it's right? designed mm-hmm. just for you. It's tailored just for you. And then when you enter a parish, nothing about parish life is tailored to your particular phase in life. You've maybe got a school attached to it. So a lot of resources go into the school, you know, the there's winery trips, but you're probably not going to want to go with like the, the senior <laughs> citizens down to tour the, yeah, they're totally nice folks. So there's, there's so many ministries happening within a parish, but as a young adult who is single in particular, it can be really, really hard to like navigate your way, um, through that. And I, I think my response to your question would be who are people that invested in me? I think that I did have, um, in my young adult life, a supportive priest friend, who we were talking about this very thing, like how can we engage young adults? And this is prior to a lot of young adult ministry happening around town. He said, we'll start a group. And I think that that's what the call might be for young adults in parishes is to find other young adults, either your friends outside of your own parish or whatever. It doesn't matter where you find them. You might not find them in your parish, but you then have to give generously. So, so your college campus ministries are sending you out into the world, into mission territory. And we have to like own that and kind of create, unfortunately, I think you have to sometimes create those experiences for yourself after college. Um, Uh, There's also um, sometimes there's organized groups. I know for me, um, sort of a transition group was uh, at the Wash U Newman Center. At the time, they had a really thriving young adult ministry program that I got involved in in my 20s. It was awesome. Um, But I also had a home parish. Seven Holy Founders is where I registered as a Mm -hmm. 24-year-old girl and and invested in that community in a little, little ways, too. So... Yeah, my my first job at the diocese here was director of young adult ministry. So I went, graduated college. I had a little bit of a different path than just going straight back into a parish because I went to be a missionary for four years mm. with focus. I was still on the college campus, still um, plugged into those communities in different ways, trying to build and grow those communities and and, and pouring into college kids, uh, not just high school kids, right? Mm. Uh, but then coming back to the diocese, it was my job to work with the pastors and work with the young adults and try to build uh, a framework or a system or just a, a ministry model that try to do exactly what you're talking about. And it's, it's really hard I and mean, we don't have all the answers yet. We didn't, we didn't get it perfect, you know, 12 years ago when I started, it's still not perfect now because what you have is a population of young adults, you know, 22 to 26, 27, especially they're just really unsettled, right? If they're not married and having kids, they're going to be bouncing around a little bit. And I think that a parish 
sees that person walk in and they don't know what to do with them exactly, right? right. So the only thing we know how to do usually is ask them to help with youth ministry. <laughs> That's like the one guarantee. Oh, you're yeah. young and you love Jesus, come help with youth ministry. And that, and that obviously is a great gift and can be a great investment too. But those young adults are gonna plan their mass schedule around what they have going on that weekend. Like, oh, I'm going rock climbing. Maybe I'll hit the five o'clock vigil mass uh, afterwards, you know, right. on, on Saturday. Or I want to do, you know, uh, brunch in the West End. So I'm going to hit the 10 o'clock at Cathedral and then go to brunch. So they're not necessarily rooted. So I think there's there's different categories of young adults. And so there's kind of like the, the migrant all over the place, young adults, and there's the rooted young adults. And I think, you know, as they get married and have kids, they start to settle. Uh, but even, even if they're still single, I think once you see people get like, 27, 30 years old, they start to desire roots a little more. Yeah. And, um, and my, my thing would be like for a young adult, the one thing I would tell them is you have a lot to learn from the older and wiser oh, people in your community. So those, those, uh, older folks in the parish that maybe you're not like thinking about hanging out with it on a Friday night necessarily, but gosh, like, and I just think, just think of your own grandparents and how much like the great lessons and faith and, and witness that they probably taught you. Everyone's got something they learned from their grandparents. Well, these, these are everyone's grandmas, you know, and, and grandpas, and mm -hmm. they have been through the highs and lows of life and they can teach you so much. And I don't think parishes are good at creating these kind of diversity populations and age groups and things like that. So I think we can work harder as parishes to set some of those opportunities up. But I think that I think young adults occasionally can be like a little ageist, like yeah. like they're like, well, I just yeah. want to be around people my own age, and I want to have all that. And there's a time and a place for that. Again, if you're looking for a spouse or you're looking for someone to date or whatever, like mm -hmm. yeah, you should probably hang out with people your age. <laughs> like I, this yeah. is a good idea. But yeah. I think they have to be more open sometimes, young adults, to just trying to build those relationships and maybe sacrifice part of what they want to to be a part of that bigger community. And maybe grandma's got a grandchild she could oh, hook yeah, you, you have up to tell with. that story probably. You haven't heard this? Oh, I'm sure you have. I, maybe anyway, I have. my sister Mary Kate uh, was church a boy. young 20 something and um, my grandma was at church one day and this nice young fella came in and sat in front of her and gave his dad a hug and sat with him. I think it was Father's Day. And after church, my grandma basically like assaulted, assaulted him. <laughs> yeah, like was like, oh my gosh, you're darling. I have a granddaughter. And um, she had sang at church. She wasn't there that day. So he knew who she was talking about. And she said, here's her name. You need to look her up on Facebook and ask her out on a date. And the rest is literally history. And he did, he did and it. He did. And nice. he did it. And, and I think, so I don't know. I feel like what you're saying though, Brian, about these, like the different generations, you do have so much wisdom to learn. It takes a little, like a little amount of humility to listen to them. You know, you might think. You well, and I think at the phase of life we're in now, like we're like, uh, I'll speak for myself, you know, firmly entering middle age, right? Ooh, like a few yeah. more of these gray hairs popping up here, you know? Yep. Um, like, I think I become more aware of how much I have to learn. Even though I've learned a lot, probably, I think I'm more aware of what I don't know now than I was 15 years ago trying to enter into parish life. Like, right. so, and I, and I think, and this is the struggle, I think, with, with young people sometimes that we have in the church is we tell them, you guys are so important. You guys matter so much. You are the, the future of, of the, the church. church, or you are the now <laughs> church, and we need your generation to step up and revive the church. So then you can go out and then you can say all of a sudden, like, all right, church, here I am. I am a gift to you, you know, <laughs> um, and, and that attitude of sometimes like I'm going to come in and I'm going to tell you what you're doing wrong or what we're missing or what we need. And it's not always with like this 
arrogant attitude, but it can kind of manifest itself that way sometimes where it's like, okay, it's just, it has to be a mutual give and take in relationship. And I think when we do that, then I think we're really a healthier, healthier church community. It's, and it's, again, it's not that there's not a gift of young people and we don't, and we do, we need your energy, your enthusiasm and your yes to Jesus and your ministry but it has to be complementary to what already exists and it has to be really open to, uh, to learning from the people around us. Yeah. I've, I've always found, and I can, I've always found that I've loved talking to older people and, and the wisdom that they have. Um, I talk to my dad all the time. Not that he's old. I was going to say, like, he's pretty old, huh? Uh, <laughs> you know, something, but I'll tell him you said so. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> he might be listening to this and he might text me and give me crap about it later. But um, I've, always, I've always found that I've always had this desire to learn from that and to implement that. You've um, been good at that, so. though. You've always had that, like... You've always people talked tell me to I'm adults. An old man. Well, people tell you what? That I'm an old man. I'm, I'm wearing my sandals <laughs> right now. Oh, those, know? yeah, those well, are not old. wearing like socks and Crocs though. So no, I'm not wearing socks. <laughs> yeah. So I got that going for me at least at the moment. But yeah, but yeah, no, it's uh, that the old, old man wisdom as, as we like to call it is, is something that I found is always such a peaceful thing too. Cause sometimes I feel like when I'm listening to the word of God, it sounds a little bit kind of like that. Old man was a very, very wise. He's been there. He's done that and everything and all of it all yeah. the time because he just was, is, will be constant and everything. So mm-hmm. that has been something that is very cool. Um, and then to kind of wrap up, one more question um, that I've had is how you guys have seen in like the growing of, of like stewardship and fellowship with one another, like we hinted out a little bit earlier about doing that with um, our young adult selves when we get into a parish life. But what are some things that we can maybe do now that can help us do that with other people um, and steward to them, you know, grow in fellowship with them? Maybe it is like inviting them to more things. Maybe it's inviting them to like do an adoration hour with me instead of just Sunday mass as well in the week, like something like that. What are some of some advices that we can maybe do now actively to grow in that. Yeah. I think that, um, one of my favorite, uh, lines that John Paul II quoted a lot, um, from Vatican II says, man finds himself in a sincere gift of himself. And it was like JP two like took that and, and just said it all the time throughout his papacy. And I think that's really what it is. And it's that if you're looking for meaning in your life, give yourself away mm-hmm. and, and not in like a cheap way. Right. Obviously. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sell yourself. Sure. There's actually a lot of that going on in college campuses. That's not what I'm talking about. No, exactly. Um, but to learn to, to serve and to really will the good of another, I think is really a beautiful thing. And I think that um, when I think of like what you're talking about is evangelization, like how do I pour into other people mm-hmm. and get them to know the love and joy of Jesus Christ? And I, and I think sometimes this is something I've been reflecting on lately. It keeps coming up in, in conversations too, is that sometimes we do this selfishly. We do it because we're like a little bit tribal in our nature and our instinct. And we want people to be a part of our club. So we can say like, mm. look at my club is growing and your club is, is shrinking or, or my group or whatever, and you know, it's not a club, but like, so I, I think sometimes we just want to be confirmed and proven right in who we are and what we do. And we're not actually doing it out of like an authentic love for another, which actually, again, it's willing to lay down your life for another. And um, 
I, I, again, I think of the people in my own life who did that for me, who went out of their way to take me to St. Vincent de Paul soup kitchen to serve, uh, to meet the poor and to serve the poor. And they poured into me in that way. We'd go and we'd talk and we'd process and we'd have Bible studies and stuff like that. When I was in high school, they were just selfless. But I think mm -hmm. that those leaders gained so much back out of it. And I know that because that's what I've experienced uh, from working with guys like you and, and youth group kids and the people that we work with in our different ministries. Um, but you can't, you can't love what you don't know. So you can't just go out to try to change someone's heart and mind. If you don't really know them, you can't really love them particularly well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think sometimes in the church, people aren't very comfortable with the mess. People's lives are a mess. Yeah. And the world is a mess. And if we love people, We've got to go enter into the mess and be in the midst of a messy world, right? Sometimes as a missionary, that meant like I could show up to a party for a little bit or whatever, or, Whoa, you know, parties. as a student leader, you go mm -hmm. to, a, to a party where maybe there's uh, immoral or inappropriate things going on sure, yeah. and you don't, you don't partake, but you can be there for a while. And there's probably also a moment where you should leave. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, gotta pick but, your, but pick to, your like, time, to, right? to make the appearance to show, to know that you're cared and loved and to be there with those people. And then to have an invitation. And I think a lot of times as Catholics, we think people learn by osmosis or we think people learn just by being around and they're going to pick it up if they want or they'll ask us if they want. And there's an element of truth to that. Like our Catholic culture is really good at like just modeling and witnessing for people what it is. But I think we also have to get better to the art of invitation and the art of asking questions, right? Ted Lasso says, be curious, not judgmental, mm -hmm. you know? Love that. And Love uh, that it's too. a beautiful scene. And I think if we can do that for people, like just be genuinely curious about their lives and ask them questions and then help them ask questions of themselves and their own faith. And why am I here? Who is God? What does it mean for me? That's really going to change a lot of hearts and lives, I think. Yeah. And I think people are always afraid of that. One of Brian's dear friends in college said, uh, a moment of awkwardness is worth eternity. Mm. Um, and, and she's like, yeah, it's awkward to invite people to church. It's awkward to talk to people about Jesus, but what is at stake here? You know, right. it's their salvation and not just their salvation in the end. In my opinion, it's their life, their quality of life here on earth, you know? And so it's, um, Sometimes we just have to get over that first hump, build those relationships and just simple ask. Like, um, I had this student, this isn't like a young adult question, but, uh, her name is Bailey and she went to Notre Dame with me and she, she was a beautiful girl and we we're just talking one day and, um, I said, Oh, or, you know, are you baptized or something? She said, no, but I've always wanted to be. And I'm like, well, you know you know, you can be baptized. Like we can make this happen. And she about jumped out of her chair. She's like, I didn't know. No one's asked me. And so here we had this person who wanted something so badly been who had years. been there for about a year or two, yeah, but regardless, right. like she, how many people out there want it, but just have never been asked. And we've never taken the time, um, to do so. I know that like entering into the mess of the world, when, when you are a church worker like Brian and I, and you meet a new person, the first job, the first question that often gets asked to you is what is your job? Right. And so mm -hmm. we always, always find ourselves in these these conversations, whether it would be with the, the lady that's cutting your hair or the person you're sitting next to on the airplane oh, or airplane stories are the best. Airplane stories are, are phenomenal, like so great. But like my friends and I in our twenties used to call, I used to call it, I'm like, well, it's time for a little bar evangelization. You know, we'd go out <laughs> and without 
I mean, without question, oftentimes I'd get into these like deep conversations at a bar with some stranger that I'd never met just because I said I'm a youth minister and I work for the church. And so um, there's opportunities for these radical availability. So it's like when you're when you have the heart and mind of an evangelist or you just love people. Right. You can't help it. It's right. gonna, it's going to overflow out of you because you are filling up. And I think that's the, you know, other thing I would say is that it has to be an overflow. You can't give what you don't have. So if you're not praying, if you're not partaking in the sacraments, you're not going to regular mass and confession and, mm-hmm. and just have a real intimate prayer life, read the scriptures, shut up sometimes and listen to yeah. God, you know, that's hard for me. Um, Maybe, no. maybe for Javi too. I, I was going to no. say, I, 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 I you know, but, but if you don't have that, you're not going to be very good at, at walking with people and pouring into mm-hmm. other people because you, you, you're trying to give something you don't have. Yeah. And I think it's just really important to, to develop that interior life. Yeah. Now, sometimes having theology on tap is a, uh, is a good drink to give to other people. That's right. Really nice. That's right. Yeah. But thank you so much, you guys. This oh, of has course. Been, this has been awesome. I really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. We're 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 proud of you, and we are, we're more than delighted to be here with you today. And uh, we we I think we should plan a visit to the Newman Center. Come see you guys. Come sometime. on down. Come Please. see Bishop Rice. Oh, Bishop Rice. That would be great. Uh, yeah. It'll be pretty yeah. fantastic. I've never been with Bishop Rice and not laughed. Like he's just a. Isn't joy, he he's, a joy, he's a joyful man. You I, guys, I you Bishop guys Rice. have to meet Father Bibbin though at the ministry there. He will just see you walk in and he'll be like, oh, <laughs> and he'll just laugh. He's, like, he's just so, he's so joyful all the time That's about great. seeing people come in. And he does such a good job at, at doing what Ted Lasso says. He's such, he's so, so good at being curious and not judgmental and meeting people where they're at. So he's, he's a very fantastic Claritian missionary priest. Yeah. Um, and I think if you guys come down, you'd really enjoy it. Yeah. Him. Well, and he, you, you said something about him that is what we're all called to. And that's a joyful witness. Like when you have joy yes. of the gospel, people want to, want to know why you're happy. What mm-hmm. is the cause for your joy? What is the quote? Brian's all, he knows all these quotes. Don't be something Always to hope. Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within you. That's what First I'm talking Peter about. Exactly. There you yeah, go. Yeah, right. right. So yeah. always be ready to give reason and for hope. hope does not disappoint. Hope certainly does not it's disappoint. Romans and 5, so, yeah. 5-5. Five, five. That's beautiful five, five. that he's good at that. I love hearing love that. that. That's good. Yeah. Thank you so much, you guys. Thanks, Avi. Thanks.